Shalom, and thank you for listening at BethEmmanuel.org. At Beth Emanuel, we are proclaiming the vital gospel message of the coming kingdom of heaven. If you share our passion for this message, please support this teaching ministry and messianic community with your prayers and financial contributions. To learn how, click on the Donate tab at BethEmmanuel.org. After Moses lays out the terms of the covenant that God has made with Israel— the blessings for keeping the covenant and the curses for unfaithfulness, he tells them something a bit odd. In Deuteronomy 29, starting in verse 1 or verse 2 in a Christian Bible, And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders But to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. The word translated understand is lada'at, typically translated to know. And from this verb, we get the noun da'at, which means knowledge. And this verse raises some questions. What does it mean that Hashem has not given them a heart to know or eyes to see or ears to hear? I mean, what about Mount Sinai, when when heaven was opened to them. You might notice that Moshe is not placing blame on the Israelites. It, It doesn't say that they failed to understand or see or hear. Hashem simply hadn't yet given them the proper body parts to do those things. And it makes you wonder, when was Hashem planning to do this? When will they finally have a heart to know? Sporadically, over the last several months, I've been teaching through a fascinating passage in 2 Peter chapter 1. In this passage, Shimon Kepha provides a path, a sequence of steps in the journey of a person of faith. Life has a destination. Our goal is to progress forward toward that destination, both on a community level and as individuals. But whether you're talking about business or health or spirituality, the same principle applies. To see improvements, you need to take measurements. One word for measurements in Hebrew is midot. This is a common term to describe character traits, dimensions in a person's makeup. Midot help us divide ourselves into distinct categories, which which enables us to isolate trouble issues, kind of like the way a trainer will give you specific exercises to isolate certain parts of your body. We're making spiritual progress, but what is our destination? Our our text explains it, verse 11, and, and this time I'll read from the David Stern translation. Thus, you will be generously supplied with everything you need to enter the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Deliverer, the Yeshua, the Messiah. And that's the, the kingdom. The, that's our destination. And, and these are steps along the way that will take us there. The, the, these steps have a natural sequence, but... We shouldn't attempt to perfect one before moving on to the next. When you're exercising, it would be a mistake to try to perfect one body part before moving on to the next. But we keep cycling through these seven steps day by day. And we determined that faith, or emunah, is the starting point on our journey. Faith is defined as the awareness and the recognition that God is not distant but he's involved in life. He rewards, punishes, answers prayer, and redeems. Because it includes the awareness of reward and punishment, faith also implies the fear of God. 
From the starting point of faith, our first step is a good heart. A good heart means not only purity of intentions, but also making proper use of your inherent God-given skills of reasoning. Take a moment to think about life and what's important. Calculate the cost-benefit ratio of serving God. Attaining a good heart means calibrating your moral compass and aligning it with God's values. It means seeing the big picture, perceiving the result of your actions. Now, it's time for our next step. So, let's re- revisit this list, and this time, um, I'll uh, also read from the Stern Translation, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. For this very reason, try your hardest to furnish your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with perseverance, uh, perseverance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Our next step on this path, after starting with faith and moving on to goodness of heart, is knowledge. Knowledge of what? How do you get knowledge? Are we talking about advanced academics? You know, as the saying goes, girls go to college to get more knowledge. Or do we achieve this through late night rabbit trails on Wikipedia? I think we know it's something deeper than that. A great source from our Misora on knowledge can be found in the beginning of uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. So, now, Paul, it's hard to read sometimes, so I just experimented collaborating with ChatGPT to produce an easily understood version of this passage, uh, Colossians 1, verses 3 to 11, but you can read it in whatever translation you want. It says this, we're thanking the God of our Master Yeshua, always praying for you ever since we heard about your faithfulness in the Messiah Yeshua and the love you extend to all God's holy ones. This love springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven, a hope you first heard about in the true word of the good news. This good news has reached you and it's also yielding fruit and growing across the world, just like it has among you from the day you recognized God's grace in truth. You learned this from Epaphras, our beloved servant, who is Messiah's faithful attendant on your behalf. He's also the one who told us about the love you have empowered by the Spirit. For this reason, ever since we heard, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking that you be filled with the deep knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We've, We've been praying that you may walk in a way that honors the Master, pleasing in every way, being productive in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. We've been praying that you may be strengthened in all the powers of his glorious might for all endurance and patience, and that it may be with joy. And we've been thanking the Father who has made you fit to share in the inheritance of the Holy Ones in the light. Okay, that's not a perfect translation, and there's still things to nitpick, but I think it got the idea across just fine. But look at verse 3, how it begins with Paul recognizing their faith. And that's the starting point on the journey. And then in verses 9 and 10, we see that his prayer is that they would increase in knowledge. And at the end of this passage, their destination is the inheritance of light. And this refers to the Jewish tradition that the good light that God created in the beginning, he stashed away for the righteous to give them in the world to come. And this light is called the light of the world. Now, if you're interested in knowing more about this, I wrote a book on it called Children of Light, intended for teenagers, but it's suitable for everyone. But just as Peter states, 
the beginning is faith, and the end is our inheritance, the kingdom. And one of our steps along the way is knowledge. So, let me read verse 10 again, this time from the ESV. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, this clarifies what knowledge is. Our goal is to know God. And this verse implies that knowing God is not a binary state, as if you either know him or you don't. You can increase in knowledge of God, something we should should strive to do in every moment of our lives. Now, knowing God is not the same as believing things about him. Knowing God implies a relationship, just like you know a spouse or friend. It's not memorization of facts. It's it's intimacy. It's communication and, and experience. And the verse we just read indicates that knowing God will enable us to walk in a way that's worthy of him. In other words, in a way that reflects well on him and pleases him. It's the same as how knowing a friend or a spouse, uh, knowing them better can help you make them happier. So, we want to know God, but that's ra- rather absurd when you think about it. Hashem is infinite, boundless. He transcends our world, all time, space, and matter. Every way to describe him is a frail analogy. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are Hashem's ways higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. Who do we think we are? We can know the one who was and is and will be. Can a character in a book know her own author? To know Hashem, you'd practically have to be him. And yet, this is what we're called to do. It's step two of seven steps to the kingdom, so it must be possible. How can we accomplish this? There is one simple aspect of knowing God that's attainable, and it's a good start, and that is to recognize God. You know, many of you have this passage committed to heart, uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It's important to note here that the word translated acknowledge comes from the Hebrew word for knowledge, da'at. We could even translate it as in all your ways, know him. Knowing him begins with acknowledging him, noticing him, seeing and observing his involvement in your life, both on a moment-by-moment micro scale and and in the guiding path of your life on a macro scale. Hashem is there. He's deeply involved with you all the time. Whether you know this or not, he's hoping you will notice. Open the eyes of your heart and acknowledge that God is with you right now and he is with you in every moment and every day, everywhere. And one thing that can help with this is to say brachot, when you wake up, before and after you eat, when after you use the bathroom, when you go to sleep, when you encounter various interesting things in your life, say the appropriate blessing. Notice that the, the formula for a blessing is not just blessed is Hashem, it's blessed are you, Hashem. Pause on that word, ata, you. And think about it for a moment. The fact that you're addressing 
the infinite king and creator and just calling him you. It's, it's powerful if you let it be. Acknowledging God is the first step to knowing him. Let's back up a little bit in our passage from Colossians. We read uh, verse 10. Now let's look more closely at Colossians 1.9. It says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay, so here, knowledge comes in the form of knowing God's will. As I said, truly knowing the divine is (laughs) impossible. In his transcendent self, he's completely inaccessible to mortal humans. However, he has chosen to make himself accessible to us through his will. By knowing his will, we learn about him. We learn how to walk in a manner worthy of him. We learn how to live in a way that's pleasing to him. We bear good, uh, we bear fruit in good work and ultimately grow in the knowledge of God. (laughs) Growing up in in an assembly of God church, I desperately wanted to know the will of God. I prayed, God, show me your will for my life. I was expecting some kind of a spiritual spidey sense or prophetic power that would lead me around and tell me this and that in every moment. In a way, I was like the rich young ruler asking, what must I do? You know, and expecting a weird trick that would unlock divine revelation. It turns out that divine revelation has been here all along. And uh, God's will is spelled out in significant detail in the Torah. Hashem revealed his will at Mount Sinai through the Torah and commandments, giving instructions that apply to different groups, to kings, to prophets, to priests, to farmers, to businessmen, to Jewish people, to Gentiles, to men, to women. And the commandments are an essential source of God's will. So, to know God, (laughs) we should know the commandments. And the commandments themselves are not all we have. Um, the, the Bible also encapsulates a value system that transcends the individual laws. Uh, Moshe told Israel in Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 to 13, And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good? Well, the commandments then are one of five aspects of God's will, according to these verses. Let's number them. It says, fear Hashem. And number two is walk in his ways. Number three is love him. Number four is serve him with your whole heart. And number five is keep the commandments. You know, Micah 6.8 has a similar ring to it. Uh, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with your God? So, God's will is revealed both in his commandments and in the biblical value system, which is founded on fear and awe of God, walking in his ways by improving your character, loving him by seeking to please him and make him happy, wholehearted service that's not tainted by any other motive, and the, the attributes of, of justice, kindness, and uh, modesty or humility. Uh, God's will is also revealed through Yeshua, the Messiah. He wrapped up the commandments in two categories, love of God and love of neighbor. And he, he taught that these principles guide all areas of our observance. 
Now, nonetheless, whether we're talking about the commandments, or biblical values, and, or the teachings of our Messiah, all this instruction in God's will is encapsulated in one word, Torah. All this is Torah. When I began this series, I, I cited the list of traits given by Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair and uh, that are recorded in the Mishnah at the end of Tractate Sota. So let me read it for you again. It says, Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair says, Torah study leads to care in the performance of mitzvot. Care in the performance of mitzvot leads to diligence in their observance. Diligence in their uh, leads to cleanliness of the soul. Cleanliness of the soul leads to abstention from all evil. Abstention from evil leads to purity. Purity leads to piety. Piety leads to humility. Humility leads to fear of sin. Fear of sin leads to holiness. Holiness, holiness leads to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads to the resurrection of the dead. And this, as you may recall, is the outline that the Ramachal used when he wrote the incredible Musar book, The Path of the Just, or Mesilati Sharim. The very first thing on Pinchas ben Yair's list is Torah. So that is to say, the knowledge of the Torah and its basic observance. In fact, the Torah is not just not the first step in this list, it's actually the starting point. Uh, since Mesilat Yisharim is already dealing with observant Jews, he begins a little further down the road than Peter and Paul, who were speaking with Gentile God-fearers and, and former, formerly Gentile converts. Now, the Ramchal explains how essential this step is. I'll, I'll, I'll read a quote from Mesilat Yisharim. He said, the foundation of piety and the and the, the root of unblemished service of God is that a person should clarify and ascertain what his obligation is in this world and what a person needs to focus himself on with all his effort throughout his life. And he goes on to explain that the Torah is that path, like breadcrumbs that lead us to Olam Haba, the, the world to come. Knowing the Torah enables us to know God and and it, it helps us arrive at the entrance to the eternal kingdom. But let's zoom out for a moment. What does it mean to know something in the biblical sense? What is knowledge? The, word, the English word knowledge tends to paint the picture in our mind of memorizing facts. You know, in high school, I was involved in a fun and nerdy club called Knowledge Bowl, uh, our team would compete with other schools in a kind of quiz game where they asked us about random facts like who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird or uh, what is the powerhouse of the cell, you know, questions like that. We, we associate the word knowledge with memorizing facts, uh, and that's not the meaning of da'at. Uh, that's, that's not what it means to know the Torah, and it's not what it means to know God. In some ways, knowledge is not a very good translation of da'at at all. The Hebrew word da'at, and note that the stress on that is on that first syllable, da'at. Da'at means consciousness, awareness, and experience. Da'at implies joining, merging, integrating, and becoming one with something. Da'at is the unity of a husband and wife that produces children. 
When a Jewish man puts on tefillin and we wrap the last string around our finger, we, we recite a passage from Hosea uh, chapter 2 where God says to Israel, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, v'yeda'at et Hashem, and you shall know the Lord. Clearly, knowing Hashem in this sense is <laughs> it's not about memorizing a lot of Bible verses. It's, it's engaging in covenant, being conscien- conscious of his presence, clinging to him with all your might, signing over your identity and taking on his. Now, don't get me wrong. Memorizing Bible verses and facts is a good thing, and it's, it is an ingredient in da'at. You see, according to the Jewish mystics, da'at is the synthesis between Wisdom, that's chokhmah, and understanding, that's bina. So the combination of chokhmah, wisdom, and bina, understanding, is what produces knowledge. Chokhmah, bina, and da'at. The Hasidic movement of Lubavitch used those three words to describe the core of their identity and mission. The acronym Chabad is an, ac- an abbreviation for chokhmah, Bina and Da'at. But are the mystics correct that knowledge emerges from wisdom and understanding? How far back does this, does this idea go? Well, let's read this verse, verse from Colossians once more. Verse uh, Colossians 1.9. It says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking, you that, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The knowledge, da'at, of his will emerges from wisdom, chokhmah, and understanding, bina. Paul's not just throwing around intellectual synonyms here. In Paul's mind, chokhmah and bina are the ingredients needed to synthesize or to form da'at. Now, what's this mumbo-jumbo I'm talking about? What, what are chokhmah and bina exactly? How do they combine to form, form da'at? Well, we often translate chokhmah as wisdom, and, and to be fair, uh, perhaps there are contexts where that translation is good, but in the sense that these three terms relate to one another, chokhmah is more like what I described before as knowledge. It's singular points of light. Isolated facts, truths with no context, no comparison, no differentiation. It's, you know, as a small child, you begin to learn facts. You're told, well, this shape is a circle. This color is red. Here's the letter A. You know, you'll learn that one plus one equals two, perhaps without even comprehending yet what adding or equaling really are. You're told this is a table and you're not given any definition for a table or criteria to determine what is or isn't a table. You're just told, this is a table. Go sit at the table. Put your cup on the table. And do you accept the truth that, that it's a table? Chokhmah is simply this. It's the essence of a concept, uh, an abstract, isolated discovery. And, and at this level, you, you don't know what it means. It has no meaning. It just is. It doesn't define a principle or an overarching idea. It's truth in its simplest, raw form. And, and once you begin to gather a collection of chokhmah, you can use it 
as a seed from which to develop a concept. And this is the idea of bina or understanding. You know, you can cat categorize it. You, you can define it. You can compare and contrast it. You can extrapolate from it. You begin to understand what shapes are, what defines a circle, what uh, the point at which red ends and orange begins, and how to form letters into words, what it means to add and subtract numbers. And, and you can look at an object and decide whether or not it is, it is a table, uh, even though tables can assume many shapes and forms, and you've never read the definition of table in the dictionary. Bina describes recognizing. It's uh, it turns an abstract concept into a practical, actionable reality. It's truth that's now developed, not simply discovered. So, chokhmah is raw data. Bina is analysis. You know, from chokhmah and bina, we can finally arrive at the level of da'at or knowledge. Da'at is when this developed idea is applied to reality. It's no longer in your head as a concept, but now it interacts with your will and your emotions. Da'at is the bridge between intellect and emotions. How often do you, we know something to be true and right and yet don't act on it? You know, you might know that exercise is good for your health. You know that you need to lose a few pounds, but <laughs> if it doesn't cause you to start exercising, it's it's not da'at, it's only chokhmah and bina. <laughs> you, may, you may have learned a mitzvah, but da'at means that you are acting according to your learning. You know, a smart person often does stupid things, and why? Because you can have chokhmah and bina, and yet that intellect is detached and disconnected from your will, resulting in a lack of da'at. When it comes to knowing God, consider that you can understand that God exists without acting in a way that accords with that understanding. Are there times when you do something that you wouldn't do if someone were looking? When, when someone else is in the room, you have da'at that they're in the room. Now, even though you understand that God is also in the room and also perceives what you're doing, this understanding does not impact your actions, and as such, you lack knowledge of God. You lack da'at. And when you, when you know someone, you become one with them. Can someone really know God and become one with God? Well, yes, in, in the sense that when you know God, you nullify your will before him. You have no desires but to carry out his will in this world. And this is what Yeshua prayed for us regarding us um, in, in John 17, verse, starting in verse uh, 21. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfect, become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved uh, them, even as you loved me. This is describing da'at, integration, unity, oneness. 
To know God means to be one in purpose with him. To know Messiah means to know God, because he also knows God and is one with him. So, chokhmah is discovery of information. Bina is development of ideas, and da'at is internalizing and applying this information and these ideas. Now, we understand what knowledge is. How do we achieve it? What are the practical steps that we can take? Well, fortunately, Proverbs 2 provides a a nice roadmap for us. It says uh, in the beginning of Proverbs 2, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, that's chokhmah, and inclining your heart to understanding, that's the word tvuna, it's related to bina. Yes, if you call out for insight, that word is bina, and you raise your voice for understanding, okay, again, tvuna, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand, tavin, that's the verb form of bina, the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge, da'at, of God. Aha, okay, that's our roadmap. For the, so, a first step to, no, to knowledge of God is to gather up the commandments, memorize Bible verses, learn facts. This is chokhmah. Then, incline your heart to bina. Bina takes more struggle. You have to call out, raise your voice. That implies prayer. You have to search for it, implying study through prayer and thoughtful research and meditation. Those facts and details will crystallize and you'll begin to see patterns and ideas. When these patterns lead you to the point of understanding the fear of the Lord, then you will discover that. It doesn't come easy. You have to work for it, to labor for it. And even though you exert effort and toil and strive, it doesn't actually come as a result of your work. You know, as a human being, you don't have the capacity to work and study hard enough to achieve that. But when you work and study and put in effort, it comes as a gift from above and you discover it like a buried treasure. Regardless, it will not come to you without work. Remember what Hillel said, do not say when I have time, I will study. You might not have time. That's Pirkei Avot 2.4. And you might say, I know, I know. But do you know or do you just understand? Regardless, knowing the Torah, knowing the teachings of our master does not happen in a book. There are many academics who understand libraries of material but know nothing at all. You can't really know unless you do. Well, let's return to our Initial question. Moses stood at the border of the land of Israel and he told the Jewish people, but to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to know or eyes to see or ears to hear. You know, the Sfat Emet has an insightful interpretation of this verse. It doesn't say that Hashem didn't give them da'at. It says they merely lacked the faculties, the heart, the eyes, and the ears. When they stood at Mount Sinai, they were like disembodied beings, as it says in uh, Song of Songs 5-6, my soul departed when he spoke. 
the Holy Torah was given to them to enable them to transcend the physical body in the material world. But Da'at doesn't happen um, in the, this trans transcendental state. It happens when the rubber hits the road. When they plant trees in the land of Israel and eat of its fruit, the holy temple is the place where the physical world unites with the spiritual world. And this is where Da'at happens, not in the realm of divine revelation and disembodied souls, but in drawing down godliness into this physical world through our heart, our eyes, and our ears in day-to-day -day life. So we started with faith. We aligned our hearts with goodness, and so now let's move forward and seek knowledge of God by committing ourselves to study, prayer, meditation, and putting it all into practice. Shabbat Shalom. Your soul.